Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 17 called True Hope. Now, last time we were together in Job 16, Job's deep cry was for comfort, and we talked about a message called true comfort. And one of the verses that we came across was that Job addressed his three friends, and he called them miserable comforters, which I mentioned is a bit of an oxymoron. Uh, You shouldn't be a miserable comforter. If you're a comforter, you're a comforter, right? But they weren't very good at it, and the reason that they weren't very good at it is because they really believed that Job was incurring God's disciplinary hand, or maybe even you could describe it as God's wrath. They believed that Job had done something wrong. That's the only way that you could uh, explain his calamity, all that he had gone through. And so Job's heart's cry for comfort moves into a heart's cry for hope as we pick up the text in Job 17, verse 1. And Job with a, what we might describe as a lamentation, says Job 17.1, my spirit is broken, my days are extinguished, the grave is ready for me. I think you could see in here a note of emotional intensity. I went back and uh, I haven't listened to Pastor Chuck Smith in a long time, but I listened to a little portion that he did in the book of Job, and he was saying that When you imagine the interchanges between Job and his three friends, you have to understand the culture. And in that culture, and if you've ever been to Israel or dealt with people from that part of the world, you know how they can be. They're very intense in their communication. In fact, uh, last time we went to Israel, we were on the bus and we had two brothers who were driving us around and it was amazing to watch their reactions to traffic. And in that part of the world, honking your horn is not the exception, it's the rule. So here, when you hear a horn honk, you're kind of like, you know, what's going on? Or you know it's a car alarm. But there, honking the horn multiple times is the norm. And it'd be something like this. A car would turn right in front of our bus, and he'd go, honk, 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 honk. And and then he would look at his brother while driving the bus. And his brother would go, I don't know. And back and forth that they would go, and we'd be going, watch the road, watch the road. This guy, though, was an incredible bus driver. He was able to maneuver this bus. But it was always so funny how they would go from being all fired up to then they would be laughing the next moment. And like, these people are intense. This is just kind of how they roll. Now, I come from an Italian family, and my wife is Irish, which I guess they're pretty close in terms of emotional intensity. <laughs> but I remember when she first was being introduced to our family, in order to be heard at a family dinner table, you have to just talk louder than the other person, right? So, and then Brenda would just have to, you know, raise her voice to be heard. Hey, I'm over here. Anyway. It's hard not to kind of join in with that mode, right? When people are intense, you kind of get fired up too. (laughs) Anyway, so maybe we should see when Job says, my spirit is broken, my days are extinguished, the grave is ready for me. Maybe it's more intense than we might see it as someone in the West. Uh, One writer says, Job is likely concerned 
that his disgrace will follow him to the grave. See the end of verse one, the grave is ready for me. The word used for grave there is the word for a common grave. And it made me think of Isaiah 53, nine, where Jesus had his grave assigned with the wicked, but he was a writ with a rich man in his death. And uh, we know that it was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea that ultimately became the temporary resting place for Jesus, right? Just, just for a little bit of time until he rose from the dead. He would have been assigned a grave with the wicked because he was crucified as a capital criminal was Jesus, even though he was completely innocent. And the norm would be that he would go into a common graveyard, like a, a graveyard for criminals, but a rich man offered up his tomb, and then Nicodemus came with him, and we know the rest of the story. Job may be concerned that since he's been dishonored in life, maybe that will follow him in death. Maybe he won't even receive an honorable burial, verse two. Job says, surely mockers are with me and my eye gazes on their provocation. Job's eye focused, and we saw last time we were together, and we'll talk about this a little bit, that not only were Job's friends poor comforters, but people were coming by Job as he sat on the ash heap just outside the city gate, and they were mocking him. And people were literally, and you may not have ever seen this in the book of Job, they were literally coming by and smacking him in the face. And I, I, I think there's no other way to take the verse than literally slapping him in the face. And we drew parallels between Job and the book of Job and the greater Job, Jesus, who literally received slaps in the face and people were mocking him and wagging their heads and gaping at him and saying, you, you said you're the son of God, come down from the cross. And remember all that Jesus faced and Job, the lesser Jesus, the foreshadowing, if you will, of Jesus says, Surely mockers are with me. My eye gazes on their provocation. The language seems to be that all Job could do was look at them when they were mocking him. He had maybe no words, no response. We know that the Lamb of God, Jesus, was silent before his accusers. He opened not his mouth, even though he easily could have you know, brought the fire of God. Job was broken. A lot of his brokenness had to do with those who were mocking him, plus his situation. One writer says, the language of the gazing eye may indicate that their hatred was moving Job to tears. Proverbs 17, says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs 18, 14 says, the spirit of a man can endure sickness, but a broken spirit, who can bear, who can bear it? Proverbs 18, 14, and then Jesus said these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. I know you all know that there's been a major movement in schools in the U.S. to try to combat bullying. And when a child is being bullied, or if you've ever experienced any kind of bullying, it is a sad thing to experience because oftentimes, you are isolated, or at least you feel isolated and alone. And if you are being bullied by others, sometimes you don't even know how to respond. And often kids that are bullied are being bullied by multiple kids or kids that are bigger than them or more intimidating them or whatever. And it would seem that this is the picture, that Job is being bullied. He's too physically weak to respond. He may not have even any energy to, to say something back to them. He's been slapped around, he's been mocked. 
And even his friends, in quotes, have contributed to his broken spirit. Job needed true comfort. In this section, he, he says, my spirit is broken. My, my life is over. The next thing is the grave. And when we're going through a season of difficulty, it would seem, and I'm sure you've all experienced this, when we have a season of darkness where something goes awry and it may be something serious, we get tunnel vision on that problem and it's hard to see any light when we're going through that difficulty. And Job threw up his hands and I think he had every reason humanly to do so and he went something like this. This is Job's lament, my life is over. What else do I have to live for? All I have to look forward to now is the grave. And sometimes when we've gone through a tough season, when we've had a, a bad turn of events, when we get some hard news, that's where we end up. We, we end up thinking, my life's over. How, can, how am I gonna live from this point forward? How could anything that I dreamed of come to pass now? And I wanna just tell you to hang in there because sometimes when it feels like our life is over, that's only because we can only see it from a limited perspective. We all know the end of the book of Job and we know that Job's life was not over. Job had a long life ahead of him. He was gonna see multiple generations. God was gonna restore back to him double, but Job just couldn't see it at the moment. And when we get tunnel vision in the moment and we get desperate, we think you know, everything's tilted in one direction and there's absolutely no hope, just remember that the God of hope loves you. And he can work things together for good even when we can't see it. Now, in the book of Lamentations, for those of you who'd like to turn to Lamentations, you gotta go to your right. And uh, it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. I wanna show you this, this particular verse because it has both the brokenness and the hope in it. And this is a lament over the destruction of Israel there are uh, many scholars that believe that Jeremiah is the author of Lamentations. And it's gonna turn hopeful, but I want you to see a little bit of the fuller context. And just imagine, this is the picture. Uh, there's a prophet who's been warning his nation that God was gonna judge if they didn't repent, they wouldn't listen, and then his eyes had to watch it happen. So it's kinda like when you've uh, told a friend, don't do what you're doing, you're gonna destroy your life, you're gonna ruin your family, you know, maybe you've been that guy or that gal, and then you watched it happen, and you had no joy. You didn't want to tell that person, I told you so, but you watched the destruction. You know, it's like night following day. You just knew it was going to happen. That's what happened to the writer of Lamentations, and he says in chapter 3, verse 16 of Lamentations, he says, he, he's speaking of God, has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. I want you to see the parallels to Job. My soul, Lamentations 3.17, has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Some of us have forgotten what happiness feels like. And I would just tell you, there's a, there's a way to get back there. There's a way to get back to joy. There's a way to get back to happiness. But sometimes we can forget even what that feels like because we've had long stretches of disappointment and even grief. He says, remember my affliction, 19, and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. And then notice what he says, therefore I have hope. 
The Lord's loving kindnesses, his hesed, his covenant loyal love, indeed, his loving kindness, what's your Bible say? They never cease. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You're going to destroy your life. You're going to ruin your family. You know, maybe you've been that guy or that gal, and then you watched it happen, and you had no joy. You didn't want to tell that person, I told you so, but you watched the destruction. You know, it's like night following day. You just knew it was gonna happen. That's what happened to the writer of Lamentations. And he says in chapter three, verse 16 of Lamentations, he says, he, he's speaking of God, has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. I want you to see the parallels to Job. My soul, Lamentations 3.17, has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Some of us have forgotten what happiness feels like. And I would just tell you, there's a, there's a way to get back there. There's a way to get back to joy. There's a way to get back to happiness. But sometimes we can forget even what that feels like because we've had long stretches of disappointment and even grief. He says, remember my affliction, 19, and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. And then notice what he says. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses, his hesed, his covenant loyal love, indeed, his loving kindness, what's your Bible say? They never cease. God's love, God will never, if you're in Christ Jesus, God will never stop loving you. He will love you all the way through eternity. Amen? We learned that in 1 Corinthians 13 that now abide faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. Love will last forever. Love will never fail. Now, earthly loves can disappoint us. Some people that said they loved us maybe bailed on us, but God's love never ceases. His compassions, verse 22, what's your Bible say? They never fail, never. 
They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Notice how the writer of Lamentation goes from grief to his reality and and the difficulties around him to hope because he finds his hope in the Lord. He says the Lord is good to those who wait for him or hope uh, in him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Now you might be in a tough spot, but I would imagine that most of us are not probably in as bad a spot as Job or Jeremiah, (laughs) amen? We're not watching the destruction of our nation after warning our nation for years. We haven't lost maybe you know, our entire estate and family, etc. But these men, they had to turn back to God. They had to lean into God, back to the book of Job. Um, in Romans 15, this is just something to write down for your notes. This is three through five. It says, even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell upon me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our church instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. See, Job was broken in spirit, but he is going to, oftentimes in the book when it seems like it's all hope is lost. He's going to find a glimmer of hope as he turns to God. Job 17.2 says, Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility or their provocation. If you have a New Living Translation, it says, Job 17.2, I am surrounded by mockers. I watch how bitterly they taunt me. Once again, we are reminded that Job was surrounded by people that were bullying him and taunting him. That is a terrible feeling to be on the receiving end of mockery. It's easy, for some people, it's easy to dish it out and it's not so easy to take it, amen? Some of us are good dishers and not good takers. And, you know, sometimes we do things in good fun with friends and, and we know what the boundaries are, but have you ever noticed you could be going back and forth even with a buddy and cross that line and the buddy goes, oh, ow, ooh, this belongs to you. <laughs> and you say, no, it's yours. Well, that's how Job felt. The mockers were there. And there's a parallel between Job and the Messiah. Job had to watch his antagonists who would just stare at him, and Jesus was affixed to a cross, and he had to just stand there lay there and take it. Unless he supernaturally delivered himself, which he couldn't do because he was paying for our salvation, he just had to take it. Can you imagine being the God of the universe? You have all the power within you to end it in a microsecond, but you gotta take it. And you're doing it for the ones that are mocking you. And incredibly, from the cross, Jesus says, Father, not destroy them, but Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I mentioned in a recent sermon, sometimes I have to say, Father, forgive me. I knew exactly what I was doing and I did it anyway. Lay down now a pledge for me with thyself. Verse three, who is there that will be my guarantor? If you have a NIV, it reads quite differently. It says, give me, O God, the pledge you demand 
who else will put up security for me? Job knows his friends aren't going to do it, and though verse three is difficult, I think um, to translate, I think the NIV makes it sound like Job is saying God is demanding a pledge from him, but I think it's the opposite, like the New American Standard and others. Job is appealing to God to put up security or a pledge for him. When you put up security or a pledge for a person, ever co-sign for a loan, put up earnest money in a business deal, what you are saying is that you are taking responsibility that the deal goes well or the person pays. And Job is looking for some sense of security right now. He's saying, I need a pledge. I need some help. And even though Job wrongly has concluded that God is the one doing everything to him, he also asked God for a pledge. He also asked God to be his security. And in the last chapter, we saw, we saw that he said, my advocate is on high. Job still has faith. And he's saying, would you be my surety? Would you be my advocate? Would you guarantee my security? Psalm 119, verse 121 and 122 says, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good, or give your servant a pledge for good, ESV. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. That's Psalm 119, 121, and 122. Lord, would you give me, would you interpose this with an oath. Now, many of you are familiar with the book of Hebrews, and in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is addressing a group of early Jewish Christians, or at least professors to the Christian faith, who were going through a very difficult time, having property seized, being kicked out of the synagogue, uh, maybe losing family relationships. It may be that there were family members that said, if you trust the Messiah, you are no longer my brother, no longer my sister, you're no longer my son, it was that radical. You're kicked out of the synagogue, we won't do business anymore, maybe even seizure of property, it was very ugly. And in that particular section, I'd like to turn there because I think you're gonna find some hopeful stuff. It's all the way in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six, where the writer talks about the hope that we have is what? You remember Bible students? It's the anchor of our souls. The hope we have is the anchor of our souls. You've been listening to True Hope, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 17. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program, too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. Seriously, thank you. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it. And then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner with us? And just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com today. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, maybe you hear a message like true hope and you're saying, man, I'm at true hope. I'm at the end of my rope. I feel like I'm all out of hope and that's a tough place to be. But you know, God is described in the Bible as the God of hope. That's who he is. 
He's the God who is hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. But sometimes, let's face it, we've been disappointed by the church. We've been disappointed by people who call themselves Christians. What do you do now when the place that you expected to find hope gave you just the opposite? Maybe instead of hope, you were hurt. And I know there's brethren that are out there that feel that way. And look, we've all failed one another at any given time. But I would just say to you, Lord, I I think this would be a prayer. Lord, help me to hope again. Lord, my heart has become hard. Help me to love again. Take a breath. You know, that can happen. And the only one that can really do it for us is the God of hope. And I pray that you would find that hope again in Christ because he is there and he's available. And if you need someone to talk to about that hope, you know, ultimately hope is found in our salvation. You can call 844-48-TRUTH. Reach out to us. We have pastors standing by. Be happy to talk to you, pray with you. 844-48-TRUTH. Well, I pray that your day would be filled with hope in Jesus Christ. And I look forward to seeing you right here tomorrow on Walk in Truth. God bless you. Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Job. You can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow on this station for part two of Pastor Michael Lyons' teaching in Job chapter 17 called True Hope. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.